family. Good to see all of you here this morning, bright, shiny, smiley faces. And good to see our visitors as well. If you have not had a chance to fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you, I want to encourage you to do so so we can get a record of your attendance. We'd really appreciate that. Just by way of announcements this morning, I want to remind everyone there's still some spaces on the sign-up sheets in the back, particularly for life groups and the Everybody Can Sing seminar if you're wanting to participate in that. But also, the Christmas party on December 4th, Karen and Joe have put some sign-up sheets back there. There's some open slots for gumbo and decoration of one table. When you put your name on that, you're only responsible for one table, not for all of them. So don't be confused about that. But I was shocked to actually see that the potato salad filled up as quickly as it did. I was highly pleased to see Shelly Molasson's name on the potato salad list. Because uh, she's going to make, from what I hear, that amazing jalapeno relish potato salad. Is that right? Yeah, she's confirming that to me right now. Uh, so if you haven't signed up on that or you're waiting, you know, I think a lot of times when sign-up sheets roll around, we decide we're going to try and out-Jesus everybody by waiting until the very last minute to sign. That doesn't always help those that are coordinating. Yeah, so if you can get your name on those lists sooner rather than later, I know that all those who are in charge of that would really, really appreciate that. And finally, before we get into the lesson this morning, I want to remind everyone this Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., Maplewood Church of Christ is going to be their annual Thanksgiving service. Yeah, I would really appreciate if you're planning on going and you're going to bring a dessert, let Robin know. She's been formulating a list on that of how many desserts we need to bring based on how many bodies we're, are going to be in attendance for that. Yeah, just really looking forward to our time together with the area churches that evening. It's a benefit that we don't often participate in and should. And I think as we look at things, that's a, that's a lifestyle goal that we're, we should be a, a, attaining to, I guess. We're going to take a break from our series in Peter this morning and deal with just some topical stuff about Thanksgiving. And, and you might be asking yourself, why are we discussing Thanksgiving this morning? Well, in case you didn't realize it, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, right? That's, that's when we break out all of the clothes that didn't fit because they were too big so that we can actually wear them on Friday after we have, have gotten all of our turkey and dressing and cranberry and potatoes and pie and whatever else you eat on Thanksgiving. I usually cook a steak on the grill because turkey is foul. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, let's, talk, let's take some time thinking about the concepts of Thanksgiving this morning. But before we do that, Rottnest Island is an island off of the western coast of Australia. It's around Perth. If you look at the map, I even think I have a laser. Yeah. It's right here where this little Google map marker is. So it's really close to Perth. But this island, and there's several other islands like it, were set up specifically as special nature preserves. And on these islands, what they have done is they have attempted to set these islands up where there are no predators so that an endangered species can be placed on those islands and they can propagate and grow without any threat of predators coming on the island to kill them. It increases survival chances. It's not a bad idea. It doesn't always work, but it's not a bad idea. But on these islands live what is called the happiest animal on the planet. The quokka. Okay, now the quokka is a marsupial. 
It's about the size of a house cat. And just look, these things are cute, right? <laughs> these things look so happy that Snopes, the bastion of truth and finder of truth, had actually been asked to verify their existence because people all over the world would see pictures of these things and go, there's no way an animal like that that looks that happy can actually exist in the world. And Snopes, of course, went about their doing their due diligence uh, and did, yes, confirm this animal does exist, okay? Now, this morning, I want us to consider the quokka and not the fact that they throw their young at the predator when they come around, but just their actual look and the happiest animal on the planet. Yeah, that's true, too. And our perspective on Thanksgiving, right? Because I tried, and for those of you that have gotten to know me a little bit better, you know how I am. I tried to find pictures of quokka that didn't look happy. I wanted to see what a sad quokka looked like. So I Googled sad quokka, those two words, and this is what Google gave me. Oh, yeah, I knew that one was coming from that picture. That's a sad quokka. No matter where they find themselves, that's what they look like. Doesn't matter the situation. That's what they, that's their appearance. That's what they look like, which brings us, I think, to the subject of Thanksgiving. Oh. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's turn in our Bibles over there, guys. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's read together verses 16 through 18. Paul, as he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I think a lot of times we look at these verses, and we're all pretty much familiar with verse 16, right? And I know that we're familiar with verse 17, because how many times have we quoted that to ourselves or to someone else as we've been talking with them about dealing with life, right? Oh, I'm so sorry to hear uh, that you're going through this difficult time. Paul tells us, pray without ceasing. But how many times do we sit there and go, man, I'm so sorry to hear that you're going through this difficult times, and all things give thanks. But isn't that what Paul said? That it doesn't matter the circumstance, it doesn't matter the scenario. So for instance, I'm going to throw some scenarios at you this morning. How many of us are thankful for our current president? You better be raising your hand because the Bible just told you in all things be thankful. You think this is a joke that Paul is writing? Oh, I know, Paul didn't know what he was talking about. He was writing to a church in Thessalonica that didn't have Joe Biden as president. Changes your perspective a little bit, doesn't it? You know that, let me go back to it. When the Bible says all or everything, you know what that means in the Greek? All. Everything. There's no exclusion to it. That no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, thanksgiving is not a one 
day-a-year kind of thing, but Paul says this is actually what defines, it is a life-defining character trait for anyone who claim Christ as Lord. John Henry Jowett, he's an early Protestant preacher, he said, life without thanksgiving is devoid of love and passion. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. Faith without thankfulness lacks strength and fortitude. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. And the fact of the matter is, there is always something to be thankful for. There, I don't know if you guys heard me on that one. There is always something to be thankful for. It does not matter what is happening in the external circumstances of our lives. It doesn't matter what is happening in the circumstances of our country, in our state, in our parish, in our town. It doesn't matter. There's always something to be thankful for. And I, in fact, if, in fact I, if I pressed you for something, I doubt you'd have to think very hard. So why is it that we kill Thanksgiving? Why is it that we put Thanksgiving to death? Or why is it that we only think of it one, one day out of the year? Oh, I, wait, back up. Now we're doing the, the, the dates of Thanksgiving in November, right? So we get 30 days or 31 days, however many November has. I don't know. And then once December hits, it's all about the fat man. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Greedy, greedy, greedy. Selfish, selfish, selfish. And we forget what it is we're actually being called to be in Jesus. Right? But as a people, guys, as God's people, we are meant to be seen as the most thankful people on the planet. So thankful. So thankful that when people see it, they think, man, there is no way that's real. There's no way that that can actually be the reality of that people. Let me call Snopes and see if they can do some verification on this like they had to do with the quokka. This is the life we're called to be, to live. This is that defining character trait that we're called to have through all of this. And understand something, guys. Thankfulness doesn't occur without a decisive action on our part. We, this is a choice we make. Okay, Look at Psalm 100. Turn over in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Which, by the way, if you don't have this in your Bible... Uh, written out, you can write on here. This is the perfect example of Schoolhouse Rocks. You guys remember Schoolhouse Rock? I, I still like those songs. I sing them a lot, uh, especially when I'm trying to figure out what an adverb is, right? You remember the song? Lolly, 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 get your adverbs here. Yeah, now everyone's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Verbs. That's what's happening. This is the psalm of verbs. Okay, look at it with me here. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, 
not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For, and then verse 5, the ending of the psalm, explains why we do all of those verbs. Why we shout joyfully. Why we serve with gladness. Why we come before him with joyful thanksgiving. Because the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness is to all generations. We act in this way because God is good. And that's why we can be classified as the most thankful people on the planet. Because we have tasted the kindness of our Lord. We've experienced something that is, for lack of a better phrase, otherworldly, supernatural. And then we, we take that experience and we live it. Sadly, I think we let our choices quench the spirit of thanksgiving within us. I think we, and there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. I'm going to focus on just a few this morning. I think by choosing discontentment, by choosing dissatisfaction, by choosing fear, we allow the enemies of a thankful people to infiltrate our lives and present a different message than what the gospel is teaching us to present. Okay, think about it this way. Uh, just in terms, if we choose discontentment, right? We're, we're going to choose to be non-contented or not contented with what we have, where we are, what is going on in our lives, then what we are actually saying to God is, I wish I had something else instead. Now, how many of us are really comfortable with the idea of telling God that? We focus on what we wish we had instead of what we do have, and uh, we don't present ourselves like what David does in the 23rd Psalm. Listen to the words here, guys. Think of it not in terms of just some weird thing that we have memorized from the time that we were knee-high to a grasshopper, but actually look at it in terms of content and what David is saying. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't need nothing else. Oh, sorry, that was the Cajun version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have no wants because I have everything I need in a simple statement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I, I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. For God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does it sound like David wished he had something that hadn't already been provided to him. And understand, you know when David wrote this, right? When he was on the run from Saul, living in the wilderness and in caves.
Lord was enough for David? Is the Lord enough for us? I mentioned discontentment. What about dissatisfaction? You know, the uh, Rolling Stones sang about that one, right? That they can't get no. So what is dissatisfaction? In, in the reality of things, what is it that we, we say to God when we adopt a spirit of dissatisfaction? You know, what we're actually saying to God when we are dissatisfied, when we have this spirit of dissatisfaction is that we're looking at God and saying, you know what, God, here's the deal. What you gave me isn't good enough. What I have isn't good enough. Boy, that's very different than the way the proverb writer presents it from the reading, isn't it? Just look at what, look, go back to Proverbs 30 again and look at this idea of satisfaction in, in the way that the proverb writer is presenting a, an attitude of satisfaction. He says two things I ask of you, God. Boy, let's just take a break for that from a second, right? Only two things? Is that enough to ask of God? Two things. And oftentimes we find ourselves just constantly, constantly, constantly on the run, constantly, constantly, constantly asking, 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 which don't misunderstand me. That's not a bad thing. We need to be bringing all of our cares to God. And that's not the point of what the proverb writer is saying here. What he's talking about is a level of satisfaction that he has with God just fulfilling two things for him. That when it came down to brass tacks, that would really be all he needs. He says, two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I not be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. Just Proverb writers just simply saying, let me be satisfied with what I have. Give me, give me the attitude, give me the heart of satisfaction that is found only in you, God. Only in you can I find my heart's joy, can I find that satisfaction that I crave. What about fear? What does fear say to God? When we adopt a spirit, now just as review, when we adopt a spirit of discontentment, remember what we're saying to God is that we wish we had what, something better than what we already have, right? Focusing on what we wish we had instead of what we do have. Dissatisfaction focuses on how what we have isn't good enough. And fear focuses and believes the lie that God is insufficient. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself, 
<clears throat> sorry, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly father knows that you need these things. So seek first. Give your attention to his kingdom and his righteousness. And all those things that you were worried about no longer are a worry or no longer a concern. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thanksgiving cannot exist in the same space as discontentment, dissatisfaction, and fear. And we can flip back and forth. And I think, it, I think we do if we're being honest, right? I think we flip back and forth between a spirit of thankfulness and a spirit of discontentment, a spirit of thankfulness, a spirit of dissatisfaction, a spirit of thankfulness, a spirit of fear. But we cannot be both at the same time. Matthew McConaughey had said at one point, I can't remember what it was or what, what the context was, but the line has stuck with me for ever since he said it. He says, and just imagine this in your best Matthew McConaughey voice in your head, it is a scientific fact Gratitude reciprocates. I would submit to you that discontentment, dissatisfaction, and fear also reciprocate. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians one more time. As we look at what Paul says one more time, in chapter 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul's making it very clear here in what I like to call his, his Thanksgiving sandwich. Because he begins with rejoicing, and he, one, that's one slice of bread, and then he puts the other slice on there with prayer in the middle of being thankful in all things. Okay? He's making it very clear. God's will for us is that we be a people that are defined by our thanksgiving. And let's just be upfront on this. The results, if someone went to Google and they decided that they wanted to look for an unthankful Christian would be just as vain as my search for a sad quokka. They wouldn't find it because they can't find it. So as you spend your time with your, your friends, with your family this week, keep the quokka in mind. Are you the same? Do you look the same in every situation? And are you giving thanks no matter what? 
No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what is happening in your lives, are you giving thanks? Because that's who God is calling us to be. And in case you were wondering, I'd asked earlier in the lesson, if we, if we could come up with one thing to be thankful for, would we all agree that the one thing that we wouldn't have to spend a whole lot of brain cells burning and trying to figure out what we were actually thankful for is Jesus? The life he lived, his fulfillment of God's, pur- his, God's pur- eternal purpose, that he came to this earth to live, show us what life looks like, show us what the Father looks like, and then presenting to us the grandest opportunity that has ever been granted to any, anybody that's ever walked on the face of the planet, the opportunity to have our sins completely washed away to where when God looks at us, he does not see the sin, but sees the righteousness that is imputed to us by faith because of what Jesus did. That's one thing. When the world is crumbling around us, that I know that we can rely on to be thankful for. That we can lean back on it because we understand that God is not insufficient in keeping his promises. That we can lean back on it because we know what God has given us is good enough. And we can lean back on it because when we're leaning on that promise and that fulfillment, we are no longer in a position where we wish we had something that we didn't already have because he's given it to us abundantly. Let that be the focus of our thought, of our lives this week, next week, next year, next decade if we're alive that long. But that we be a people who are known as the most thankful people on the planet. That we communicate that thankfulness. Every chance we get that, Jesus, that people see Jesus through our thankfulness. Stephen's got a song for us that he's going to be leading here in about five seconds. This is those, that opportunity. <clears throat> you know, I think it's not just Christmas time where the Grinch comes in and steals away the spirit of what we're wanting to do. I think that Grinch, we'll call him Satan because that's really what he is. He comes in and he tries to steal our joy. He tries to steal our thankfulness all the time. And you may find yourself actually struggling to pull yourself out of that. That when we're standing and singing this song of encouragement, this time that we spend together, this is an opportunity for each of us to go, okay, I need some help. And I can't do this by myself. I need the help of my brothers and sisters, but they're not mind readers, so I actually have to communicate these things to them. That this is an opportunity to make that communication known and Perhaps it's even led you into sin, to repent of that sin and to come out of it a better person than what you were before because of the help of the body that's here. And I I get it. Standing before a bunch of people and 99 eyeballs looking on you, it, it becomes difficult at times for us to get around that. But there's strength to be found when we're doing that. The elders are also available for you 24-7. It's not just now, but always. They'll be in the back room this morning after worship. They'll be meandering around in the auditorium for you to have these conversations with if that's what you need to do. But man, they would encourage you to not live a life of discontentment, dissatisfaction, and fear. In fact, they beg us to live a life that is defined by our thanksgiving and our joy. 
knowing what Jesus has accomplished for us. And if you're, the, you're here this morning and you're ready to become a Christian, to, to make the confession of Jesus as Lord, to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, raised out of that water, a new creature ready to hit the trail and be a thankful person, this is also an opportunity for you. Take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord puts in front of you to make you better now than what you were this morning. Whatever it is we can do for you, we encourage you, make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.